Appreciate you doing this again. Um, just real quick, if you don't mind introducing yourself for the people that may not know and uh, you know who you are, what you do. Yeah, so my name is Richard Schnitzel. I am an ex-mechanical engineer. I worked in the corporate world for 10 years. I have a degree in mechanical engineering, uh, but I've also been a lifelong nerd and IT person. I've been the IT person for my family since I can remember. Uh, and I've kind of taken my experiences in you know, job life and my passions in personal life and ventured down this path of now I work with entrepreneurs uh, building automation in their business, working with them to you know, design, build, and implement automated systems in their organizations that maintain the authenticity of how they show up in the world and what they do. Awesome. So could you describe what automation looks like in, in, in the simplest way possible in, in, the, in the business context? Yeah. So for me, automation from a business context is taking something that happens in your business, some trigger where a whole bunch of stuff needs to occur to create an outcome and automating what we can in the middle of that, that bunch of stuff that needs to occur with the end result of doing two things. First, improve the efficiency of those things happen, which is you know, most of the time a yes for automation. We're usually doing things faster, but more importantly, improving the efficacy of what the end product is, right? So if we add automation into this, is the outcome better than if we had done this manually? So um, in, in, in a tangible sort of sense, what would be an example? Uh, let's say somebody has a product um, and, and you can kind of take it from there. But Yeah, so one of the things that we'll commonly do is you know, a lot of times when somebody buys a product, there's a whole bunch of stuff that we might want to be telling them about that product that's the same for every person. You know, maybe we're onboarding them into a course and we want to give them a bunch of templates of, you know, these are the next steps. If you're starting the course, you should start here. Here's some pre-work that you should be doing before you show up for our first call, a bunch of things like that. We can automate the delivery of that boilerplate content to them as soon as they sign up with a message that says, you know, here, here's all the information I think you need to know. Here's the next steps. And here's a link to jump on, you know, 15 minute call with me so we can take care of that last 10% of the stuff that's really unique to your business. So we can get you started off on the best foot forward because you know, you're really excited about this. You wanna start immediately. Here's all of the things that you need to know to do this the best, best way possible. And if we had done that manually, you know, maybe there's a two, three day delay. If you've got a lot of stuff going on, you just don't get to it. They sign up at you know six o'clock at night when they get home and they were like, you know had a free night. Okay. I'm going to sign up and you don't get to it until noon the next day. Well, now they're not seeing it until the next day. You've got this big time frame where they're just kind of stuck in limbo. It's like, okay, I signed up. Cool. But uh, now I'm just sitting here twiddling my thumbs where we can automate at automation so that their experience is better, but we still have that really personal intimate connection with them by maintaining a little, you know, maintaining the call and maintaining a personal touch that you were doing already, we're just letting you focus on the, the points that really need to be coming from you. That's really cool, actually. And I totally understand, you know, purchasing a product 
or a service, um, your your emotions in the, at the moment when you purchase are, are high, right? You're excited. You want to proceed forward and sort of closing that gap, that delay that's just caused by a human being being involved in human activities or being busy, mm -hmm. I think is really, really cool. Um, if we take it a little further back, how did you get started in this space? And what was your first initial experience with this? Yeah, my first experience with business automation in general was around Facebook Messenger bots. It's actually what I started my business thinking that I was going to be building. Uh, I started three years ago, and at that point, Messenger bots were really just becoming a thing. Nobody really even knew that they existed or what to do with them. And I saw the technology, and I just thought it was a cool idea, a, a different way of interacting with people and something that was leveraging where technology has brought us and kind of changing the way that we could think about communication with somebody. So I started out using automation to make the bots that I was building do cool things, you know, seeing a response and then going out to someplace and getting some information from a different program and feeding them back into the bot to make the experience richer. And I was good at the back end side. I was terrible at the front end side. I, I couldn't write copy. All of my writing experience was about writing engineering reports with bullet points and you know mm -hmm. here's the statistics on this and these are the key decision makers which nobody really cares about when you're at that point of a sales cycle and you know, it was not conversational it was very rote and rigid so what happened was i would build something and somebody would say hey that's really cool can you build that for me I'm like oh yeah cool I, you know I, I can do the back end in my sleep with you know barely on no rest so I do that and then they'd write the copy. And then because I did that so well, we then have a conversation about other parts of their business because, you know, oh, you did this really well. I'm also using HubSpot and I'm having a hard time getting my HubSpot leads into you know, my email marketing software and then getting them back into HubSpot when they do a certain thing. You know, they click the link and they download the call to action in the email. I want to get them back into HubSpot so I can follow up with them. Can you help me do that? Yeah. Okay. So I just that conversation kept getting bigger and bigger and more holistic around an entire business. And I just followed that path and you know, realized that that conversation was the piece that I really enjoyed solving that puzzle with somebody of, okay, what are you doing in your business? How are you doing it? Why are you doing it? And how can I communicate to you the positives of automation in a way that you understand what I'm presenting to you and you also get equally as energized about, you know, adding this into your business as I am about building it for you. Right. So having done that with um, several clients, what have you noticed? Like what difference have you noticed uh, in, in terms of companies that don't um, lean towards automation versus companies that do? Yeah. So I guess the hard number one is there's always an increase in the ability to do sales volume. With the current team and the current structures of the business, because we're just improving the efficiency. You know, if you could take in 100 leads, now you can take in 150. If you could handle 20 clients, now you can handle 25, 30 clients. So there's definitely a direct line to your you know, bottom line revenue of a business of being able to add automation into your system so that you can just do more work with the same number of hours. But then there's also a an emotional aspect of this as well is that when we start adding automation, 
we're relieving stress off of the business owner in their business of having to stay on top of all of these different things, right? I've had entrepreneurs and business owners tell me after working with me that I'm just more relaxed because now I know that these things are getting done, right? Going back to that first example of I got to sell, now I got to worry about sending all of these out. I got 10 last night. Did I drop one? You double check it a couple of times because you're scared. You know, you don't want somebody to have a bad experience. And two weeks later, you get that angry email that says, you know, I bought your product and I haven't heard from you. This is bogus. You know, what, what's going on? Mm. Oh, crap. You know, I'm sorry. You know, honest mistake. Right. So we automate those simple things and it just relieves you of having to stand top of that. You know, you just, you know, something's going to occur. So there's a a freedom that automating your business provides that then allows you to focus on the things that you really enjoy doing in your business. And that kind of opening up the realm of what you understand is possible. You know, we, we don't know what we don't know. So if we, if we're looking at our business and we just, we don't even know that an idea is possible, we automatically throw it in the the waste bin and say, okay, we're just not even going to go down the road. There's no point opening that up can really energize you again to you know, what you can start doing and okay, cool. I actually have, you know, I, I want to do this more. I just never had the time. Now I have the time. That's, that's amazing. Right. That, that emotional benefit is the hidden part that we don't really experience until we've gone down the path, but is sometimes even more powerful than just, you know, the fact that we can you know increase the business by 30%. That's very, it's, uh, it doesn't have the same impact on well-being and happiness. Um, oh, which... for sure. Um, and going uh, down that tangent, how do you maintain authenticity? Because I hear you talk about that, right? How do you essentially not, how do you detach the robotic element from automation or how do you make it more personalized? Because I'm not, I'm not too familiar with the process. Um, but I, I understand to a certain extent you can include people's names and everything, right? So it's not just mm-hmm. one sort of email that's going to everybody. But within that context, how do you then make them make it more personalized? Yeah. So for me, the way that I go about that is I don't start with trying to automate something. I start by trying to understand the process and understand what our end goal is, right? So I p- try to find my goalposts. Like where, where are we trying to play within? What is, what is the ideal outcome of this scenario? If money and time were no object and we're just trying to create the best experience for somebody, what, what do we want to build? And then from there, then we can start talking about automation because at that point we have context. I think the, the biggest gotcha in building automation is for somebody like me to come into a conversation without context of what's going on and for somebody to say, hey, I want to build this sequence. I'm thinking about doing, you know, these three things and I want to end up over here because of where technology is in the world. 95% of the time I can say, yeah, I can build that for you because everybody has really great technology. So that's not a barrier anymore for me being able to build something out for you. But the problem is I shouldn't always build that out for you. And that's where context comes in, that I can come into the conversation and then be like, okay, 
I can build this for you, but then understand that this is how it's going to affect your ideal situation, right? If we automate out all of the customized emails, right? You don't have any personal contact with somebody up until this point. This is what you're losing from an intimacy perspective, right? These are the things that could go wrong. The, you know, somebody changes an email and then all of a sudden they're getting emails into the wrong location. We don't know their name correctly. And now you're sending something to Bob when it's supposed to be Bill, right? So here's how it's going to affect your process. And to me, I always look at as my role is not to convince you to make a choice. My role is to give you the understanding so you can make the choice for yourself. Because I need to recognize that even if I get context into what's going on, I will never fully understand what's going on in your head. And all of the you know, instant decisions that you make when, I, when you think about your business, there's a whole lot of understanding of your experience that you can't translate to me. So I shouldn't be selling you that, oh yeah, we can do this, 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 and this. I did it for somebody else. This is how, what the outcome was. This is what the results were. That's the wrong approach. Cause then I'm selling you on this idea and you're going to go, yeah, okay. I love that. Yeah. You increase sales by 40%. You know, they only had to spend, you know, five minutes a week on the sales process. I want that, right. Who that proposition sounds amazing, but that's somebody else's business. That's not yours. So I need to change my presentation to you to say, yeah, we, we got it down to five minutes. But there were, you know, these couple issues that always came up that they were just okay with because it was a high volume business. You know, maybe it was low ticket. You're selling something for $3,000. You should really be getting on a phone call with them every, every time somebody comes up with a 50 minute phone call just to, you know, touch base and say hi and introduce yourself, right? That's worth the time, that time and money that they're spending. We got rid of that for this other person because it didn't make sense for their product. So I need to lay that out for you. So you tell me, yes, okay, I get it. I understand it. I'm okay with these decisions. Right. Is there a right time to start automating certain processes in your business? Or, um, you know, anybody can sort of jump in at, at any stage uh, in, in their business cycle? Yeah, you can certainly start at any stage in your business cycle. The big difference is the longer you have been in business, the more thoughts you can connect together. So think about automation like building with Lego blocks. You can build an amazing structure. Right? I, I can build a Millennium Falcon with Legos. Right? Little nerd reference. <laughs> but that's going to take me you know, maybe a thousand Lego pieces to build that out. If you're just starting out, maybe you're deciding whether or not you want your Millennium Falcon to be gray or you're going to change it up and make it brown, right? Because you don't have a context around what you're doing enough to scale up to that size. So we're just trying to focus on figuring out what Legos we're using, right? And when you get to a point in your business where you're starting to do the same things the same way every time, right? you realize that, okay, every time somebody buys a product, I'm doing these five or six things. That's when you can start connecting the Legos together and then building a larger sequence of events. But there's nothing to say that you can't start with the first block that just says, I want to dump all of my sales volume into a Google spreadsheet so I can start tracking metrics and have it saved in a, a one location, right? Start there. 
day one, right? That's never going to change. You always want that in your Google spreadsheet. Okay, build that. Then continue your process, do it manually. Then when you figure out the next step, add it on to that automation as the next chain in the events. So let's say um, if the product is not tangible, mm -hmm. let's say it's podcasting or, or, or an online course or something like that, um, you know, what are some ways you can automate that sort of, uh, that sort of product sale or not, not even yeah. necessarily a sale, right? Like if I have a podcast, um, how can I incorporate automation into my sort of world? Yeah. So I would say from the customer side, I would definitely build out a workflow in a CRM that tracks the progression of a guest coming onto the show. So that at each stage of that, you can send them an email to let them know what the next steps are. You can give them, you know, good content and information about how to show up to the podcast in the best way possible. In that process, if you have questions that you typically ask everybody, you know, uh, common questions that they might want asked, if they're getting a headshot, you know, social media links. When they submit those, you can pull those back into that CRM funnel so that you and your team have that in, an, in a location that's easy for everybody to get to. And then I would set up triggers for the start of each stage that either go out to the client or go out to my team to help manage that flow, right? So when somebody books, I'm going to set up a trigger that three days before the call, I want to make sure that they submitted that form. So if they haven't, my team can send them an email to say, Hey, you know, you're talking in two days. We noticed that you haven't filled out your questions yet. We really need these before the podcast, make sure that you submit them. Here's the link again, in case you lost it. Right. Once the podcast is complete, we could send them out a thank you email, just thanking them that they're being on the podcast letting them know, you know what the how they're going to get notified when it goes live, things like that. And then we could also send your team an email. Uh, you know, we're recording this with Zoom right now. We could set something up that when the Zoom call is complete, we automatically download the recording into a specific Google Drive folder. We dump that into the CRM so that our team goes, okay, yep, podcast was complete. They go to the deal in our CRM, they click the Google Drive folder, it pulls up, and then we could submit that out, whether you know you have somebody in your team that edits it, or maybe we forward it to somebody else. And we have a, a company at the end that does the, the post-production for us. And then once all of that's done, and we get it back from that, it gets to the next stage, and then maybe we have something to start planning out the social posts and the announcements for the podcast. You know, When we figure out what the timeline is, and we say, okay, yep, this is going out on December 2nd, and that time shows up in the CRM, we can then have an automation that sets up all the tasks so that we know, okay, we, tip, we always want to post three days before the post goes live, and then we want something the morning of, let's create those tasks and set all that sequence up because that doesn't change. And then we just have to worry about, you know, maybe writing the copy based off of what we were talking about. Right, so from the outside, all of that sounds really good and mm -hmm. also really complicated. <laughs> and if you want to break down, you know, let's say you have somebody that's interested in this service, how would you walk them through the process and how much of their involvement is required um, 
in, in trying to set this up? And then if you want to touch on pricing and structure as well. Yeah, so, uh, very fair question. Yeah, I, I've done this a lot so I can think through complete sequ sequences very quickly. But we break it down by starting at a very high level. So any process in your business breaks down into five steps. We have a lead, we have a sale, we onboard them, we deliver a product, and we offboard them. Right? That sequence that I talked about for the podcast follows those five steps just with unique data for each of them. But that's true for a podcast, that's true for an online course, that's true for a physical product. We always follow that sequence. So to get to that end result that I just rattled off, we start at that base and very simple instance. And then we add layers of context underneath it to get to something that sounds really complicated when you rattle it off. But it's really starting with a really simple concept of, I have a lead for my podcast. I want to tell them what it's about and give them an opportunity to book a time. I want to record it. I want to do the post-production on it and I want to send it out to the world, right? That's, that is podcasting. Then we add in a layer underneath of, okay, you know, maybe where are the leads coming from? What's our recording medium? Are we using Zoom? Are we using Zencaster? Are we using uh, FM? I think it's FM.radio is another one, right? But so mm. you start at a true 30,000 foot view and then you go down deeper. And when I'm working with somebody, that's the process that I go through. So I work with people on a four month basis where we start out at a, a true 30,000 foot view of their business. We have that conversation about Okay, where are we now? Where are we trying to get to? We build a massive workflow, you know, a, a big workflow at the, their business at a very high level. And then we have a call every week to start adding in layers of detail and complexity. But because we're at starting at very simple and then going down sequentially, we can see what that looks like in our brains, right? We're not skipping a step. The biggest issue that we have, especially as business owners, is we don't realize that steps are actually decisions in our business because they're so second nature to us. So when we try to skip them and get deeper in, we get lost because we forget that things are connected in ways because it's, it's not even a, a thought to us anymore, right? It's just like, hey, you know, that's just the way that I do that. That, was, that wasn't a decision. That's just life that's reality why why does that matter but those are the pieces that trip us up and get us confused when you know that sequence that i just had said i had a backlog in my head of somebody that i talked to and trying to you know like fill in all of those gaps and you get lost because i'm making assumptions about the way something goes and your brain's trying to go like oh crap why would we do oh, why would we do that oh why would we do that right you're getting information overload and task saturation. So we remove that task saturation by both getting on the same page. Yeah, no, that's, that's absolutely right. And uh, that's a very, very good way of approaching things. I'm curious to hear about, you know, where you think this analytical sort of three dimensional thinking came uh, for you in your life? You know, how do you think you developed this? I'm not Sure. I feel like I've always had it, 
but that could be, you know, just time and a, a false sense of my brain. Uh, you know, I've always been mechanically inclined. I've always been good at picturing things. You know, I, I think visually and I tend to think a lot in three dimensions, right? So when I picture a room, I, I picture a room in three-dimensional space and I everything has a height, width, and a depth to it in my brain. And it's, for me, it's always been the way that I've thought about things. Um, and I think that, you know, fortunately for me, that just translates very well to then trying to build a big mind map of the way something works, because mm -hmm. essentially I've practiced it my entire life. And now I'm just really good at being able to like, okay, this goes over here and this goes a little bit lower and this goes over here and then start to see the, uh, the web that the connections create and then pull those back out and go like, oh, okay, this was connected to this, but it's also connected to this. And how do those things affect one another in a real world scenario? And I think maybe the, the implementation of that is where the engineering background is beneficial because right? engineering essentially teaches you how to solve a problem when the answer is not black and white and all of the information isn't necessarily applicable. Absolutely. Um, and I'd like to touch on some of the elements of that approach. I think it's really valuable to view things in that way. And it mm -hmm. translates to, you know, in the macro sense, that approach can get rid of a lot of our issues in this day and age, but that's a little, you know, maybe a far-fetched idea, but, you know, not taking things for face value. How do you, I guess it's very natural for you, but if you could try to answer, how do you not take, the initial sort of stimuli at face value? For me, it's a, a practice of trying to identify what my personal biases are to that stimuli. Right? So what, what assumptions am I making about the situation and how might those assumptions be wrong? and then applying that to that initial thought. And to be clear, I suffer like everybody else in that first thought that like, I'm not immune to it. I've just maybe more practiced at after I've had that thought, being able to go like, okay, realize that that's what's going on in my brain and then go back to that analytical side of everything. I'm not immune to the emotional responses and the, the biases that I present to something. I, I, I'm not saying I'm, I'm perfect in that sense. I just, I have that analytical backdrop to then go, okay, I'm getting emotional about this. I'm bringing in a biases based off of previous experiences. Let's analyze what those biases are and then ask the question to confirm or deny that that assumption and that bias is correct or false and needs to be readjusted to the situation that I'm looking at. It's so interesting, um, you know, analyzing yourself in that manner and recognizing when you are subject to bias or emotion, you almost detach the ego aspect from it. And, and it's fascinating because with, within like with, with while doing it to yourself, you're not really subject to ego because there's no one else listening. Like it's an internal conversation, mm -hmm. but the outcome of it can be visible to other people. And I think valuing a valuing the outcome to be more congruent with reality as opposed to creating something that just 
makes you look a certain way, I think is very valuable and, and honestly contributes to the downfall of a lot of people in this generation, valuing the perception of something as opposed to the truth and the reality and the logical framework behind behind it. Mm -hmm. So I really appreciate your time. Um, again, if you want to let everybody know where they can find you, where they can find the website and how they can get started on, on this, if they're interested, please feel free. Yes. Yeah, so two best ways to get a hold of me. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn at Richard Schnitzel or my website, richardschnitzel.com. Uh, Schnitzel is spelled S-C-H-N-I-T-Z-E-L. It's spelled exactly like the German food of the same name. Uh, you can send me a, a direct message on LinkedIn, or there's a link on the website to jump on a 15 minute call with me and chat about what you got going on in your business and see if there's a good fit for working together and making something happen.